It's good to see everybody here this morning. It's a wonderful day to worship our Lord. I uh, want to make a couple of uh, quick announcements. Number one is I want to do some encouragement here. And the teens have been sitting down front. And I just want to let the teens know that I have heard many positive statements from a lot of different people saying about how encouraging it is for the young people to be sitting together unified and, and how um, uh, how wonderful that is for uh, the, the the church. And, uh, I, you know, I just wanted to let everybody know that that's being said. And, and, and brethren, I'll tell you this, um, you can go and you can encourage those young people uh, yourself. You know, tell them how how happy you are that they're doing what they're doing. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, number two is this. Uh, <clears throat> I, was, I was unable to be in here for the announcements as we were dealing with a, a young one. Um, but uh, coming up on February the 12th, we're going to have a Valentine's Day party. And it's, it's you know, the idea is we want to get together and we want to show love toward each other. Uh, because, you know, that's just kind of what everybody does around this time of year anyway. But uh, we want to show love to each other. We're brethren, you know, and, and that is one of the best loves that you can have is the love of brethren. And uh, so uh, we are uh, going to have a Valentine's Day party here at the building. Uh, February 12th, we're going to continue to announce this. But uh, part of this deal is uh, there is going to be a chili cook-off. So, guys, I know guys get into that. I like I like doing that. Um, you know, women too. You're not getting left out. But if you if you like cooking chili and you and you want to get on in on a little friendly competition, uh, let's let's have a chili cook off, and, and that's going to be at that same uh, same party. And so, I hope that everybody who can attend will attend, and um, it's a good way for us to just be together. And uh, I'll tell you what, um, you know, um, there's a, there was a study done, and the study initially was for families, and, the, and it was uh, saying, hey, you know what, uh, families who eat together, they stay together. Uh, if you eat together as a family, uh, that is around the table, not around the TV, around the table, and you eat together as a family and you converse every night, uh, those families had a high success rate of staying in touch with each other and uh, helping each other out throughout the years. Uh, that extended out into the public. And you know what they found? Is that was true with every group of people that you could find. People that eat together and they fellowship, you know what? They stay together. Uh, so, brethren, that is a good opportunity on February 12th. There's another uh, couple of opportunities coming up. I believe January 23rd, is that right? That's the 23rd, is uh, over at the McGee's. You get some uh, uh, some fellowship there and some singing. And then uh, we have the Fifth Sunday Fellowship, I believe, this month. Uh, by way of that also, <clears throat> the uh, uh, Fifth Sunday, uh, the elders and I had discussed having a question and answer on the Sunday night on fifth Sundays. Uh, so if you have any Bible questions, uh, then we can, on those fifth Sundays, we can submit those and we can talk about uh, those questions. So if you have 
any questions that you'd like answered, um, any, any uh, you know, concerns about certain things that you've heard, um, done this before, and, and, and you can have all sorts of different things. You can have anything from, you know, is dancing a sin uh, to, you know, uh, is, is Islam, uh, what is Islam, you know, and, and, you know, you can have all sorts of different things. And so it's going to be whatever the congregation is interested in. And uh, any questions you have, and so please bring those questions forth. Um, uh, you can submit them to me uh, at this time, uh, or you know we're going to put a, a box out and let people put them out there. But uh, please write it down and and get it to us some way. Um, you know I I am uh, so thankful for the brethren here and the opportunity that I get to preach every Sunday. Uh, for this wonderful congregation, and um, you know, I, I know, I know what you're thinking right now. Didn't that preacher talk enough during Bible class? You know, Mike Mitchell's thinking that. He's thinking, man, thought I was a teacher. No, apologize. I remember what the second thing was, but it's moot point now. It was I apologize for continuing us down the bunny trail. But, hey, well, I'll tell you what, brethren, uh, if you ever get concerned about chasing those bunny trails when we're in Bible class, I'll tell you what, uh, let's believe in the providence of God and knowing that maybe somebody in class needs to hear that. And so that's the way I look at it. I like to try to stay on topic, as a teacher does, yeah, but when we get on those, they can be good. So, uh, you know, why is it that we're here? Why is it that we're here? I mean, you know, I've asked this to teenagers before. Uh, why are you here? And uh, I've had some pretty honest answers about that question. You know, when you ask teenagers, sometimes they'll, they'll tell you exactly what's up. And I had a couple of teenage boys one time. They said, well, we're here because our parents brought us. You know, that's why we're here. I said, okay, well, you know, that's a start. You know, that's, that's why I showed up to begin with is because my parents brought me. And then it became something more. So that's a start. All right, and then you ask people, and, and, and they'll have all sorts of questions. You know, ultimately, when you start thinking spiritually, what do you say? Well, you know, I'm, I'm here to worship God. You know, I'm here because I love the Lord. You know, I, I have all sorts of answers to that question. But, question from me, why are you here? Why are you here? It has to be. To hear the word of God. You know, we can talk about loving the Lord, but we still get that from the word of God. We can talk about anything of spiritual matters, but it all boils down to this one thing. We believe the Bible to be true. And since we believe the Bible to be true, then we are going to follow what it says. And so that is the plain base simplest reason why we are here today is because we believe in the holy scriptures in the written word of god and so i want to for today just take a few minutes here maybe a couple more than a few minutes and i want to talk about a tribute here to the bible Let's think about the Bible, all that it is, and what it means to us as Christians.
Number one is this. The Bible is a profitable book. How do we get that? Well, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. Every scripture inspired of God is also profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, which is in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, furnished completely unto every good work. Brethren, the word of God, the Bible, is profitable. Now, when we think about that, what do we mean by that? Well, you know, it is of benefit to us, right? You know, without the word of God, without the Bible, where would we be? You know, we don't have much of a hope without the scriptures. And so we need them. We desperately need the scriptures. And so the Bible is a very profitable book to Christians. But if it is a profitable book, in order to get the profit from it, what do we have to do? Well, we have to follow it. In Romans 10, 17, so in faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we know from a, an, an exegesis there of Romans chapter 10 that when we're talking about hearing the word of God, it is coupled with obedience. It's not just hearing it. It's being obedient. So do you want this book to be a profitable book? Because it is. If you want it to be profitable for you, you have to follow it. Number two, the Bible is a precious book. First Samuel 3 and verse 1, it says, And the child Samuel ministered unto Jehovah before Eli, and the word of Jehovah was precious in those days. There was no frequent vision. The word of God was precious in those days. What does that mean? Well, they desired it greatly. You know, and, and the reason was, it says that visions, they weren't frequent. God wasn't giving them a lot of information at this time. You know, before he had spoken un, unto their fathers, you know, they had prophets of various kinds. And now the time of the judges comes around. And <clears throat> during the time of the judges, if you go through and you look at the book of Judges, oh, man, you, you know, that is uh, consistently called throughout religious circles the book of failures. You know, throughout it, you think of, of people that are judges and you're thinking, you know, what are they doing? Well, they're supposed to be bringing people back to God. But you know what? They, they, some of them had, had enough spirituality to fill up a thimble. You know, you think about Samson. Man, Samson is big and strong, but... Man, he lacked something in brains and spirituality, didn't he? You know what? And that tells me something. God can use us. God can use any one of us. But during this time where there is relative silence, the Word of God was precious, it was invaluable, it was desired. 2 Peter 1.4, as uh, the scripture reading was this morning, whereby he hath granted us unto us his precious and exceeding great promises, that through these ye may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped uh, from the corruption that is in the world by lust. He has granted unto us 
precious and exceeding great promises. You know, if, if you will, turn over to Psalm 119. And don't, don't get worrying, people. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Psalm 119. Verse 11. We'll go through several. I'm going to lead you right here through it. Uh, verse 11. Thy word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Look at verse 72 now. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Verse 97. Oh... How I love thy law, it is my meditation all the day. Verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 127. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Verse 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy words. Brethren, the word of God is precious. You know, I've heard stories, you know, my entire life. You know, I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And very religious part of the country. And, I, you know, I, I just, I guess I took that for granted for some, you know, reason, you know. But I heard stories growing up. And we had famous preachers who preached in that area. One especially by the name of Marshall Keeble. We have stories upon stories upon stories of Guy in Woods and Gus Nichols and B.P. Black and all these great men who preached wonderful sermons and taught the Holy Scriptures. And you think about men like Marshall Keeble who, during uh, civil rights movements, preached the Word of God as a black man to both blacks and whites. Why is that? Well, there's a number of reasons for that. But one is this. The Word of God is precious. It is precious. And as long as the truth is being taught, it doesn't matter who teaches it. Setting aside the sinful nature of being racist. But, brethren, there is a time... In this country, when by and large, the word of God was precious to most people. There may have been some religious differences, but it was precious. You know, I, I heard stories of a time when Wednesday night, you know, Sundays, there are more people who are faithful in their attendance. You know why? Because towns shut down. People would not allow for businesses to be ran during times of worship. 
There were times, brethren, uh, and, and I'm sad to even mention this, but there were times when youth sports leagues were not nearly as important as the Word of God. And that nobody practiced during worship times. Nobody. You know why? Because to these people, the Word of God was precious. Brethren, let us keep the Word of God precious to us. Don't let us become profane like people around us and, and become flippant concerning the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God. We need to follow it. We need to love it. We need to desire it. You know, I, I often think about this. I wonder where our country would be right now if those things I had just mentioned were still the same. When people would gather together to hear the Word of God taught, where do you think we would be? Well, I, I don't believe we'd be in a, any form of socialism, I'll tell you that right now. The Bible is a precious book. Number three, the Bible is a pure book. You know, when men write books, you know, we can write them on various subjects. And, and um, it, was, it was interesting to me. I, I've always I've, I've looked up to T.W. Brents uh, for a long time. And you may not be familiar with T.W. Brents, uh, but he was an elder of the church back in the Restoration Movement. And um, he, he did some, held some debates, and he... Um, you know, which is interesting to me. The elders were holding the debates. They didn't allow the preachers to do it. You know, they, they said the elders are going to do it. Um, and so uh, you, you had him, and, and he was doing these debates, and he decided he'd write a book. And I've, I've mentioned this book uh, from the pulpit, The Gospel Plan of Salvation. And, um, and he said, you know what? I, I, was, I, I was wary about writing a book. He said, because men are not infallible. We can make mistakes. And, you know, I, I'm not going to write a perfect book. And even at that, I think he did a great job, and I believe he was right. He did not write, write a perfect book. Now, I have issues with only a few things, but still, I have issues with a few things that he wrote. And I believe that if I taught those today, that you'd have issue with those as well. But, brethren... When men write books, they are not pure. They are not unadulterated. They are not 100%. But the Bible is a pure book. Psalm 119 and verse 40. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. I've, I've longed after thy precepts. Proverbs 30 and verse 5. 
Every word of God is tried. What does that mean? It's tested. Every word of God is tried. He is a shield unto them that take refuge in him. And that's that's what he's saying is, look, uh, the word of God, it's tested. It's tried. It's going to stand the test of time because it's the word of God. It's his. It is absolute. Matthew 5 and verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We need to be pure in heart. Because that is what the Lord is. He is pure. Revelation 21 and verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it any, anything unclean, or he that maketh an abomination and a lie, but only they... That are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Bible is a pure book. Number four, the Bible is a powerful book. John 8, verses 31 and 32, Jesus said, uh, Jesus therefore said to those Jews that have believed him, If ye abide in my word, then ye truly are my disciples. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How do we get there? We have to abide, abide in His Word. What what does that mean? We have to live in His Word. I remember there was a guy, and he was he was a a youth minister at a congregation. Uh, They had uh, elders and and um, you know a preacher there and. And they were always in these meetings. Uh, the, the ministers and the elders were in these meetings. I, I can't remember that, how often they met. It was frequently, though. Um, and uh, it seemed like they met like every week. I don't know if that was true or not, but it seems like that's what they did. And they were meeting frequently. And every time they'd bring something up, this, this youth minister, you know, this know-nothing guy, uh, comparatively speaking, you know, every time they, they bring something up, he would say, well, I don't know about that, you know. And let's let's go to the scriptures. And let's look at the scriptures here. And and I gotta I gotta I gotta get this solid in my mind here. Let's, let's and there were several things which he opposed because he believed that they opposed the scripture. And well, you know, he was right. He was very much right. And somebody uh, finally came up to him and said, "You know, I, I we know you're having trouble here." But uh, I know why that is. And he said, well, why? Tell me. And they said, well, we have never had anybody come and teach, uh, preacher or elder alike, who was so concerned about the Word of God. And people don't know how to take it. But you know what, brethren? The only way that we can be pleasing to God it's to live in the Word. John 6 and verse 63. It is the Spirit that giveth life, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I have spoken unto you are spirit and are life. Romans 1 verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth to the Jew first. And also to the Greek, for therein is revealed a righteousness of God 
from faith unto faith. As it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. Brethren, we need to look to the Word of God because it is powerful. You know the, the word uh, powerful? You'd probably recognize it in the uh, English language. Uh, the word powerful is dunamis. Dunamis. You know, if that, that is where we get the word dynamite. You know, it's powerful. Well, um, you know, I've, I've heard people uh, get upset and say, you know, don't ever describe uh, the Bible as dynamite. You know, because the, the Bible is not a destructive force. You know what? I'll agree with that, except on this one thing. The Bible will destroy sin. And so it is very much that power, that dunamis, the dynamite of salvation. It will destroy sin. James 1 and verse 18. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verse 21. Wherefore, putting away all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So put away all filthiness. Put away all that overflow of wickedness. And receive with meekness the implanted word. Because it's the word that is able to save our souls. If you will turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. The Word of God is so powerful. It can spell things out to us. And I believe that I'd be remiss if I did not mention this passage. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are they that have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall reproach you and persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heavens, for so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. The word of God is powerful. And last but certainly not least, brethren, the Bible is a practical book. You know, I've heard, yeah, I've had friends who have even said this, and this I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'm, I'm a little bit glutton for punishment. I'll tell you, this drives me nuts, all right? You want to drive me nuts, just come and talk to me privately about this and then laugh in my face afterwards, and, you know, you will have successfully driven me nuts. Um, but, you know, the, what, what kills me is that there are people out there who go, well, this book was written like 2,000 years ago. 
I mean, like, really? It's not for us today. Like, are you serious? Like, yeah. And everybody's like, why is Matt do, does a dumb voice whenever he's talking like that, you know? And it's because I think that's really ignorant, you know? And evidently that's what I think ignorant people sound like. But Second Peter 1.5, uh, I think really explains the practical nature of the scriptures. You know, um, I mean, and to really further this, the scriptures are so practical that, you know, you've got like the book of James. Have you ever sat down and just read through the book of James? Man, I remember I had a friend that every time they were having a problem, they just sat down and they read the book of James. And they said, a lot of times, you know, my problems came up in James. And so they said, that's, that's where I go. I go and I read that. It's a very practical book. But you go outside of that. You think of it. There's so many practical applications from every single book of the Bible. Brethren, the Bible is a practical book. It is for us today. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11. Yea, and for this very cause, adding on your part all diligence in your faith, supply virtue, and in your virtue, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, patience, and in your patience, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, they make you to be not idle, nor unfruitful unto the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he that lacketh these things is blind, seeing only what is near, having forgotten the cleansing from his old sins. Wherefore, brethren, give the more diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never stumble. For thus shall be richly supplied unto you the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You look at that, brethren. That is a practical passage of Scripture. Do you want to know how to be fruitful? Do you want to know how to work for the Lord? You look at passages like this. And you learn how it is that you can grow as a Christian. But you know, it doesn't stop there. Because, you know, the Bible is all these things that we've mentioned. And it's so practical that the most common question is answered sufficiently. What must I do to be saved? Well, then you go over to Acts chapter 2 and you see that question and you see the answer. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. Oh, that's just one passage, man. You just picked that out there. First Peter 3.21, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. You know, you want to talk more about baptism? Mark 16.16. 16. Uh, you want to talk more about baptism? Matthew 28.18-19. Uh, do we need to keep listing them? Because we can. 
because it's very important. And the Lord repeated that throughout his book. Maybe it is that you have not yet been baptized in the Christ. And we want you to make that decision today. Maybe it is that you are already a Christian, but you have uh, not been living faithfully. And we want you to live faithfully, and we'll be glad to help you out. Uh, hope that you repent today if, if that is your need. If Maybe it is something you've done privately, but you'd like some prayers. We'll be glad to pray for you. Uh, whatever the case, if there's anybody that needs to respond to the invitation, please come as we stand and as we sing.